And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music, charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Goalkeepers who wanted the ground to open up and swallow them whole. Unexpected left-back wonder goals. The inevitability of Phil Babb. The eternal debate of Lillian Nallis versus Mario Stanic, Marco Buga's mythical caravan, Facundo Savas' silly mask, and yes, obviously, Ali Dyer. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés and the Premier League players we remember for precisely one thing 11. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.49 a month. That's 30% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 87 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me, first of all, is James Moore. We all know what we're here for. There's a danger with this particular 11 that we're choosing of veering into the Premier League's 50 most shocking moments territory, <laughs> isn't there? Yeah, there is. I mean, we are looking for, are we looking for famous or infamous? I don't want to kind of paraphrase Partridge too early, but that does seem, that does seem to be an important distinction. No, I mean, I mean, this is very, it's a surprisingly open-ended concept. I wanted to leave it so, so that people would, would suggest a variety of names. But no, this doesn't have to be a good thing that you're remembered for. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be an incredibly boring thing, but it does have to be a single thing. And the rest of that can be interpreted as, as anybody wants. But I, but I feel like there's there's enough layers here is what I'm asking. There's depth to this. Surprising yeah, depth. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I was very excited when you explained it to me, so I think this is going to be good. That's good. I'm delighted to hear that. Alongside you, equally Premier League era literate Nick Miller. Are you clear what we're aiming for here? I always have to ask this before we do our 11s. <laughs> yeah, I think so. There's enough scope for it to kind of bring in various different things. But yeah, I think I think we know the, what we're doing here. Yeah. Good. Okay, so before we launch into our Premier League players we remember for precisely one thing, 11, I have a very important issue to run past you both. On, on Tuesday night, a man called Nick Murphy sent me a, uh, a picture of his TV screen 
and he says, I'm watching Cruel Summer on Amazon, set in 1993. The main protagonist is flicking through the US TV channels and manages to stumble upon what appears to be a QPR home game, maybe against Norwich. And I thought, I, I need to help him, James. I've got to help this guy. At a glance, I couldn't be asked to figure out what it was. So I thought, I'll just, I'll do the honourable thing and retweet it. We quickly established that it was a QPR home game, but it really did unravel from there. I, my first thought, actually, when it, it wasn't Norwich. The, the shirts are too dark. Can you, can you imagine how far this unraveled from there. Yeah, well, yeah, I can. I've seen the tweet. Yeah, so, yeah, good, I, know, good, I know. Good. I mean, this is, and this is right up your street as well, this. I mean, I can imagine how excited you were. This is probably the most excited you've been sat in your bedroom for, I don't know how many years. Fantastic. Yes, lovely way of putting it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is how it developed. QPR superfan Rob Roberts Facey of BBC Montage fame stepped in next, Nick, to confirm that it was QPR versus Wolves, in fact. Good to have the teams confirmed. And he says, I only think about this because I'm sure it was also used in this advert. And he links to the Figo just for men advert which of course we've mentioned this on this so, podcast before. so many strands yeah so many strands being br- brought together here so at this point I'm watching the Lewis Figo just for men advert and yes there it is in the background QPR versus Wolves 1998 0-0 is on in the background why why is this why is this game already the go-to popular culture football approximation reference point the sort of I think someone may have pointed this out in the the comments but the the sort of boringly plausible answer is just the first thing that comes up when someone types in stock football game into a, some, <laughs> some kind of database. But maybe it's just but the that, bright colours. I don't know. The kits are good. It's, it's a good combination of kits, isn't it? A gold that. kit and a sort of hooped kit. It yeah. feels like, you know, we've talked before about those kind of uh, bog standard birthday cards yeah. you get. I think there's a kind of, quite often the kind of colour color combinations shell. you get, like one hooped kit. When in reality, there aren't really that many clubs in play mm. in hoops. Mm. That's right. uh, and a kind of a, a really bright, garish kit. It kind of feels like that might be part of the reason. So the saga was developing by this point, late into Tuesday night. Um, we'd established who the teams were. We think we worked out what the fixture was. It was a midweek game and they played each other uh, on the 1st of April 1998 in, on a Wednesday night. Um, then Wolves Analytics piped up, James. It says, I've, I've tried to narrow that down before because it appears in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 <laughs> as an Easter egg. <laughs> So you're in some sort of dark, abandoned office or something, and, and there it is on a computer screen. Is QPR versus Wolves 1998? Like a uh, someone right? It's like a behind the goal angle of someone running down the wing from the very same game. Astonishing scenes. This is um, why would why would a computer game get it? This is I just I can't I believe mean, this. I, well, I think it's fair to question the computer game bit because I just had a look at the team for QPR. Yeah. And there is actually a Hollywood actor in the QPR team. I think this should be gettable because there can't be too many Hollywood actors that are playing in the Premier League. Vinnie Jones? Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones. Playing for QPR alongside the likes of Neil Ruddock and uh, Nigel Quasi. Are you implying that Vinnie Jones brokered the deal? Well, it's not, I mean, when was this? I mean, 1998 it was around the time he was starting to do all those films, wasn't it? It's not impossible. No, it's not. And, you know, it, it could have stopped there, Nick. It could have stopped there. And we thought, oh, well, that's about as far as the cultural reach of QPR nil, Wolves nil could have gone in the last 20-odd years. But no, but no, Benjamin JH92 piped up. This, and this, pound for pound, the most astonishing shout of all. He says, actually, it's also in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the 2005 forgettable epic blockbuster in the poker scene. And um, he says, he basically says, you had to be quick because it only appears on... The, on the left-hand side of the screen for the first half a second. How do you know this? (laughs) Imagine your brain working that well. This sounds like some kind of private investigator that was employed by Jennifer Aniston to kind of really (laughs) sort of drill down into what actually (laughs) happened on the set of that film has has really been kind of, really got into the minutiae of it. Sorry, do you think Jennifer Aniston thought Brad Pitt was having an affair with Steve (laughs) Roberts? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Look, 
yeah, anything just can really happen. liked his a disproportionate propensity for screamers into the top right hand corner. Yeah. Um, I, I will probably kind of tweet out a montage of all the evidence of this after um, <laughs> after we release the podcast. But just to confirm, the Mr. and Mrs. Smith scene, the QPR versus Wolves game is on a screen in the background that I would estimate takes up about 7% of the width of the screen for about half a second. Benjamin H, 92. You are an astonishing human being, and I hope you're listening. It took me down an even further rabbit hole, James, of what's called texture archaeology in mid-90s computer games, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> so on to the matter at hand. After that astonishing... How, I mean, how can we top that? How can we top that? And we're going to top that by doing the Premier League players we remember for precisely one thing, 11. So, Nick, to you, first of all, this is the mission, the vibe, the discourse. Players who, by hook or by crook, we really do only remember for for one event, one incident, or perhaps one habit, one ongoing saga. There are there are lots of options that, that suddenly pop out. Yeah, well, if start, starting with, the, if we're going through the team, starting with the goalkeeper, I initially had Massimo Taibi written down, but I, I then disqualified him because there were two sort of ricks in that game. So I don't know whether that... Oh, no, that's okay. Is that okay? Like, horror show performances oh, can be condensed right. into a thing. Okay. I don't want to get too bogged down into what we define as a thing. Surely people only remember one, right? The Pahar's one. Oh, the Letizia one, sorry, that kind of bubbles over his shoulder. So, right, they only remember that one. No, the Letizia sure. one went through his legs. Well, he's not, he's not, he can't go in there, can he? Because I don't remember at all. Yeah, um, interesting. Okay, so Taibi... As many players in this 11 will feel, James, is perhaps too easy a shout. Sam writes in and says, the story about him being man of the match on his debut against Liverpool is an increasingly mentioned Taibi footnote. I don't have a clue if it's true or not. This little caveat about Taibi whenever he's brought up, usually from United fans, understandably, it feels like one of football's most enduring well-actuallys, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is that thing that you'll see on Premier League years in that season. Is it 2000, 2001, I think? You'll see that and you know, you see him suddenly appear and they'll be like, oh, and Manchester United... Oh, sorry, I'm not Charlie Eccleshire, I can't do <laughs> And Manchester United <laughs> signs... Uh, uh, Massimo Taibi from whichever mediocre Italian team Vicenza. and you think oh, here we go here it comes and then the first thing you see is this Liverpool game where he makes a few saves and I think United did that they win 2-1 I right. think maybe so yeah but I mean again no one remembers that either do they they no. only remember the one <laughs> the one thing but I, I do agree with you that it is too obvious in, in, in a similar vein one of the other names I've written down is Peter Enkelman Okay. who obviously is famous for the... the uh, Actually, technically, wasn't a mistake, was it? He actually no. did the right thing by letting the ball go in, uh, no. in the back of the net, given it was a throw-in. He's an incredibly um, good shout. I want to park him for the moment, but we... we, we just park Well, him I've got a moment. third one as well that I think is good, who's definitely not famous for making a mistake. He's famous for never playing, and that's Stuart Taylor. Oh, I do. I, do I don't like know whether he, can, whether he can be in the team or whether he has to be on the bench. Yeah. Worryingly, the one thing he's famous for is never playing. Yeah, this is worryingly where the de- definition of thing is really going to come back and, and haunt us. But I, I'm very happy with that suggestion. Very good shout. Nick, here's one for you. Wild State suggests Stefan Postma. Um, I believe he's... Um, uh, I, I mean, he hasn't explained it, so I can I assume it's about him conceding a penalty immediately after coming on for his Premier League debut for Aston Villa against Southampton in 2002. Not sure. I, I mean, it must be that. I mean, who can forget? Where were you? Where were you when Stefan Postman conceded straight away on his Premier League debut? Google it and check. Oh, no, no. It's, it is definitely that. And I uh, I would invite anyone to Google Stefan Postman to, to, just to see that one moment everyone remembers him for. Absolutely. Um, but, Nick, do you know who he replaced that day in the Aston Villa goal? Uh, was it Peter Alkerman? <laughs> it was Peter Enkelman. Oh, well, there you go. It feels it feels like destiny now. Simon nineteen twenty seven writes in James and says Peter Enkelman for conceding that goal from a throw in. My mind immediately panicked. I thought it might have been a League Cup tie that would have disqualified him. That was a dangerous moment. And I'm sorry to go all Nick Hancock on you for a moment, but 
I think that's the most pathetic a Premier League player has ever looked. Well, when the Birmingham fan is on the pitch, like kind of berating yeah. him all in his face and he just looks completely forlorn. Yeah, with all due respect. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is one of those moments where you think it probably would have been fine if he'd smacked the bloke, right? I mean, I mean, we're not condoning violence, but I, I don't think it would have been the worst thing in the world. Mm, agreed. And crucially here, Nick, I don't think Enkelman has a well-actually caveat. So he, I think he's pretty watertight here, don't you? Yeah, he did did play, uh, when I was looking this up, did play a surprising number of games for Aston Villa, 52 games for Aston Villa. So I don't know mm. I don't know whether there was something else in that uh, those other 52 games that we might remember him for. I, Can you imagine how many ironic ways <laughs> we sent his way every time? Every, every single yeah. back pass for yeah. the rest of his career. Throw it to him, don't do it. I did, um, I, I did actually, uh, had, had Peter Aaron come on down, and initially I did discount him because I got him mixed up with Stefan Posma. And I thought... <laughs> I thought the thing that we remember Stefan Posma for, obviously that game that we just discussed yeah. there, uh, was also applied to Pico Enkelman, but um, it turns out it doesn't, so I think Enkelman qualifies. Yeah, well, we're definitely not talking about Stefan Posma anymore. No, it's definitely no, no, it's Peter no. Enkelman. Peter Enkelman is our goalkeeper for the Premier League players we remember for precisely one thing, 11. This is a 4-3-3, by the way, as all themed 11s should be. Let's go to right back now, please, James. Got any names you can fire at me straight away? Yeah, the one the one that leapt out at me, and I did spend quite a long time last night trawling list of right backs in Good. the Premier League. Good. Pascal Chimbonda handing in his uh, transfer request on the pitch at <laughs> Highbury in what was ultimately one the last game at Highbury and two the last game of uh, his uh, time at Wigan. Okay, as as the kind of adjudicator here, self appointed adjudicator, I think Chimbonda had the kind of Nick backed me up here. He had this kind of general banter presence in the mid 2000s which I don't think it's fair to pin down to one incident. Um I don't know did did he uh, what, what other can can you prov- name yeah, another provide, incident? provide us with another banter uh, sort of incident that he was uh, Unless unless you count wearing gloves all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yes as 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 40% of the people involved in this podcast recording have just said he was known for wearing gloves. I mean that's a thing that is a thing <laughs> isn't it? He was one of the most enduring glove wearers. Pioneer, if anything. Yeah. Um, I, just, I just think he was just sort of widely acclaimed as being not a comedy figure, but as a kind of... I guess another thing is that he went to the World Cup as a, with France as a Wigan player as well. Yes. Which is, that's definitely a thing. Yeah, that is a thing. That's it. I'm, yeah, I'm going to set him aside because I'm sure we're going to come up with better names here. Are you done with that? Is that is that the card you're playing? He, he's my card. Okay. Nick, give me some right backs. Well, he, I mean, uh, he, he was my card as well, unfortunately. Um, oh, yeah, he, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, but does does this, if, let, let's uh, for the moment accept that he is, a, he is a more sort of general banter presence in the footballing over of the sort of early two thousands, did that not stem from his hasty, hasty uh, you know, tra- submission of a transfer request? Maybe, maybe. Okay, he's creeping back into contention. Okay, well, I offer you two names via Matthew Doolan. He says Moritz Volz, who scored the fifteen thousandth Premier League goal, which gave him the nickname fifteen thousand Volts. He only That's scored probably. twice for Fulham in the Premier League. Not having it. Isn't, not he, having... isn't he famous for being like a massive? Ah, um... oh, shit! I've forgotten his David name. David Hasselhoff. Fan. Yeah, thank you, David yeah. Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah he, had a big, he had a he had a sort of quirky blog mm. yeah. in the mid to late two thousands, didn't he? Um, which I guess you could argue extends his legacy too far. I mean, it's the blog within the realm of the Premier League. Like, that's the question. He, he, I mean, he, he was he was also until recently, and I, I haven't looked this up. He was Julian Nagelsmann's assistant at RB Leipzig. So, is he? No, does he no now work for Bayern Munich? Then I just, I, 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 I mean, if only there was some way to find this out. But I, I yeah, haven't, yeah, I haven't looked this up. Yeah, no, cl- I'll close this Stefan Postman tab. <laughs> <and I'll have laughs> 
maybe just check his blog. Maybe he's still going. Um, uh, I don't think you're going to like this this next one, um, although I do. Wally Say says Antonio Valencia, James, and his low crosses. Yeah, that's not bad. Mm. I don't. I can't picture. I can't it's picture not one though. One thing, I can't. I can't picture. I can't, it. I, no. You can't have someone who literally played in Champions League finals for Manchester yeah. United and you know probably a couple of hundred appearances for them, which remembered for just one thing. And, and I'm not against a player with like a trademark move being in a team on that basis, but that isn't yeah. one that leaps out on me. I don't. Think. I agree. I agree. We're getting closer to the kind of general concept of the thing, but I agree with you. Well, in that case. Oh, Nick's raising a finger. Hopefully it's a right-back related one. It is. Um, I don't know if this qualifies. And it, it, it's it remembered for one thing in a very sort of specific niche corner of the of the internet. But Tony Hibbert, for that, that gif of him sort of turning around on the ball and just then eventually passing it to no one, is that... I feel that's secondary to his long-servingness. Yeah, I guess so. Don't you think? And the fact that he didn't really score any goals. Yeah. And that photo of him holding a massive fish. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. It was just what just off the top of my head. I, I'd settled on Chimbonda too early, I think. I had nothing else well, to do. Well, I mean, up. so have we all, it seems, um, in the absence of any competition for places at right back. Pascal Chimbonda is our right back for this uh, I, I suspect how he got to that World Cup as well, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Yeah, same same uh, selection policy as Raymond Dominic. Yeah, yeah let's, go with that. That. let's go with that. Let's go with Right, left back though, as always, far more interesting and far more exciting. I'm just going to throw names at you straight away, James. Eric Edmund. Get goal, goal at Anfield. Mm, yeah. yeah, lovely. Uh, yeah, that's Robert good. Yarny. Um, oh, yeah. that's nice. So he didn't play a game, did he? So no. he, went, he, went to, he went to Coventry from... Betis, I think. Correct. Yeah, and then went immediately to Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. widely accepted as some sort of um, workaround for some clause he had that he couldn't move to another Spanish club. Slash accountancy trick, but Coventry yeah, made a cool million pound profit on him. Maybe this again enhances his legacy too much. But he's one of those players who was so quick that it was obliged to mention his hundred meter time, <laughs> his apocryphal hundred meter time when talking about how quick he was. Signed off the back of a World Cup. Yeah, he did one thing in the Premier League, which was pass through like a you know like a <laughs> connecting flight. So I'm ha- I'm kind of I'm happy with that. But it's but Edmund also could shout two more for you, Nick Ben Thatcher. And Winston mm-hmm. Bogard. Ah, uh, now I've got Bogard at centre back. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah uh, my, my my two choices were were Robert Yanni and Ben Thatcher. I don't know, but I, I I sort of vaguely discounted Thatcher because he was he he was he is remembered for the Pedro Mendes thing, but he, he was he also remembered, and this is obviously connected to a sort of more general purpose thug. Oh no, he was a prolific elbower. Yeah, at least three truly brutal elbows in his Premier League career, which you know. Turns into that turns it into a kind of serial yeah. offender. Tra- it's a trademark. Mm. Yeah, like we said, I think I think that I think that works. I had a couple of options. One of which I think played at centre back quite a bit, but was a left back too, and was a prolific scorer of penalties. But was also the bloke who went to Aston Villa and then immediately went back to Everton, and that is of course David Unsworth. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. I think, does anyone remember? I mean, he scored the penalty for Wigan yeah. at Sheffield United that kept them up. Mm. It's quite a big one. I mean, I guess if you're a Wigan, it's been a lot of Wigan in this so far. By the yeah, way, yeah, definitely. Well, I think he, uh, I think he sits more comfortably in the pure Barclays eleven, if anything. Maybe. Um, maybe. Can we explore Eric Edmund a bit more, Nick? Because we're talking about a guy who did pretty much nothing. Uh, he gets. Uh, at least in my head, constantly mixed up with Rito Ziegler and scored an incredible goal. Like a properly incredible 
what the hell has just happened? Nobody saw this coming goal. That's in front of overwhelming well, evidence in his favour. I think of him as a sort of in this kind of parade of sort of slightly subpar left backs that Spurs signed around that time. Lee Young Pyo. I'm, I'm getting a wagged finger from James here. No, no, is he? No, sorry. It's only because I just remembered that Eric Edmund also played for Wigan. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Go. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the Wigan team <laughs> from 2007-08. I'm going to put my foot down here about Eric Edmund. It's, it's, it's one of the most overwhelming cases if scored amazing goal, did nothing else. Yeah. He, well, he just did nothing else. He wasn't even exceptionally bad. He just wasn't that good. And then he, I think he was gone after a season. Uh, so yeah, I, I, that's definitely a strong case. Okay. Mr. Spurs himself has given his approval. Eric Edmund is our left back. Right, centre half. Nick, who have you got at the top of your head? Well, I've got, this might be very specific to me, but I've got Jason Cundy in, in my team. Because uh, we, yeah. we, we of course know him now as a um, opinionated radio broadcaster. Um, mm. But in terms of his playing career, I can't think of anything else he did other than that goal at Ipswich. Side yeah. tackle goal from the halfway line against Ipswich. Yeah, the the, the yeah. kind of very niche genre of the unintentional long range goal. Definitely was Premier League. It wasn't. It yeah, yeah, wasn't no, it, it was. Yeah, it was the first, first season, season of ninety one, ninety two. No one's really ever sure if it's Premier League or not. It, it, he was wearing that lovely uh, that yellow Spurs kit with the kind of stuff yeah, over the shoulder. Bird, yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, one of the very early televised games. I seem to recall. Yeah, that's a good shout. Can I throw two into the mix? One, similarly, a Premier League player uh, of some repute that will mainly be remembered for one goal, and that's Philippe Albert. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, he, I mean, he's very Barclays 11 as well, though, I guess. I can't remember maybe, if he was in that. Maybe pre-Barclays, but, I'd say. I mean, fair, that is true, actually, yeah. And secondly, I don't think I need to explain this one, Phil Babb. Phil Babb, possibly the most suggested name in the Twitter replies before we recorded. I'm unsure about Phil Babb. Let's spend let's spend a minute or two discussing that legacy. World Cup '94 veteran, um, played for Coventry, and then and then obviously hit his balls on the post against Chelsea. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be too obvious with this, Nick. But Phil Babb is. I'm drawn to him. I, I mean, you really are underselling the hit his balls on the post. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, for our younger listeners, I really wouldn't recommend looking this up, but my God. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would. I, Welcome to our world. <laughs> Come into our world. How dare you not know what happened to Phil Babbitt Anfield against Chelsea? How dare you not know? I suppose he would qualify because it would, certainly on at my school, he then, he sort of became a verb at some point, you know, you when you had... You know, yeah. when, when you when that unfortunate incident did you know befall someone, they had done a Phil Bab. So, yeah, I guess, I guess he qualifies. Potential spanner in the Phil Bab works, James. He was one of the infamous white suit wearers at the FA Cup final in 1996. Now I can now whilst you could and you you may rightly point out this is not Premier League, I would also say it's part of the Premier League tapestry. Yeah, that is true. Spy, yeah, that's spice one yeah, of I guess. Spice boys, that is true. Yeah. The only uh, the only other thing I uh, re- remember Phil Bab for is being the proprietor of Golf Punk magazine. And uh, remember that <laughs> that's kind of ill-advised attempt about 10 years ago to make golf look cool. Sounds very ill-advised to me. Yeah. Okay, so Phil Babb, we, we, he may be losing his place here. I give you some further names, James. William Prunier. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, as Mitchell good. Sterling writes, he, had, he was the New Year's Day hangover that made Chris Armstrong look like Gabriel Batistuta. <laughs> Lovely little Correct. line. Alex says Liam Ridgewell for using £20 notes inappropriately. I uh, don't think he's going to be remembered for that necessarily so I'm not not keen is that another Marcus one that, Brid- I don't, that I shouldn't google on a work computer or is it right 100% okay, fine. Marcus Bridgeland Sebastian Quartes for the most ridiculous overhead kick versus QPR 
Oh yeah, that's I mean, I'd completely forgotten he existed, yeah. so that is good. I'd want to get hung up on Wonder Girls, but unexpected, you know, unbelievably unexpected Wonder Girls definitely. I mean, in this team, in. I think that's what you want from your defenders, mm. almost, isn't it? Mm, I think so. Yeah, it, it, it does fit. Potential adjudication point here, Nick James Dixon says, "Does Steve Morrow count Premier League era, but dropped in the League Cup final?" So no is my no, answer. No, no, his yeah. I mean, I suppose it's the same argument for the. I mean, was he was he kind of generally slightly hapless player, and did that did this sort of fit in with his general vibe, or was he? I mean, I actually, so. maybe this is the point because I can't remember anything else about Steve Morrow no, until you mentioned not. that I thought he was a midfielder, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't even realize he was a defender. He may well have been. So he may well have been. Um, see also Jamie Pollock. That, that infamous own goal was in Division 1, not having it. Can't be in our Premier League yeah. team. The final name I've got for you, Nick, is Santiago Virgini. Uh, Sunderland? Yeah, score of thumping finish own goal. Uh, I don't remember that one. So Okay, uh. well, well, well. Okay, well, to return to the top of that list then, James, William Prunier. I feel yeah. like he's a shoe in here. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a good one because it, it, people will only, literally only remember the one game. Did he play in the other game? No, I don't think he did. Well, we, no. we should, we did should he explain. sign to Spurs? I mean, everyone else did. So yeah, probably. Exactly. We should probably explain. So he played against Spurs oh, at White okay. Lane on, on New Year's Day in January '96, I think it was. Uh, but Manchester United had a big like defensive injury crisis, and and then Peter Schmeichel had to go off injured at half time as well. Um, yeah, and Spurs won four one. It's a very precious childhood memory for me. So yeah, I, he was obviously absolutely terrible. I mean, I, I, I you know. He's definitely a good shout just purely because he's only played one game, I think. But that will be remembered. I kind of okay, very, so- very much sort of file, uh, file him alongside the sort of Igor Stepanov's Torben Picnic yeah, genre yeah. of brief, you know, short-lived, incredibly shit Premier League centre-backs playing for big teams. But wait, but wait. This is hot off the press-ish from William Prunier's Wikipedia page. It, it states about his debut against QPR, in fact... December 1995, he generally impressed in the match and assisted a goal for Andy Cole as well as hitting a powerful shot against the bar. No one remembers that. I don't think that's enough. No, no exactly. That's fine. No one remembers it. It's fine. Pasting that in. Not good enough. Uh, I'm keen on Prunier. I'm leaning towards Bab to an extent, but and, and I feel like we have to cover this aspect of football, James. And when it comes to horror injuries... I offer you David Boost. Yeah, he was another one. He was another one I, I did think of, but I, to be honest, I thought it was just uh, it's just a bit inappropriate, really, to mention that. Well, I don't think it is. I don't. And think I would say, by the way, genuinely, if you haven't seen that, genuinely, do not Google. Well, no, that. absolutely, because it was the original Premier League horror injury, Nick. It was. It, it's possibly the, the defining Premier League horror injury, and that is that is a genre in itself. You know, the kind of next day, don't look at it in the papers, but they're going to show it to you anyway with a ring round it in the photograph, just because in case you can't see what's going on. I feel like it's a, it is a genre-defining incident, and that makes him a genre-defining player, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose that it doesn't have to be... Uh, it, it, it doesn't have to be anything to do with actually playing football, as um, we found out earlier with Stefan Posma. But yeah, that... that, that all, all, you, all you need... To, I just remember the, the, the pictures of Peter Schmeichel covering his face. And, you know, that's served as a sort of, well, if even this big hard man can't, uh, can't have a look at yeah. it, then, um, you know. Okay, so despite being a overwhelming contender in my books, uh, for, for reasons of taste and dignity, we're not having David Boost. 
in our team. Maybe maybe he produced a sterling performance in a in a <laughs> nil nil for Coventry um, in 1994-95 that we that we've overlooked. So are we happy then with William Prunier and Phil Babb? Well, yeah, uh, I mean, we, 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 he was mentioned earlier on, but Winston Berhard is. Um, uh, Ooh, it, I would say it was a contender. All right then. All right then. Uh, I'm happy to have Bohard Boharder in <laughs> instead of William Prunier because <sighs> Prunier. I don't know. Because what I would say about Prunier is he he's always included in the list of sort of shocking signings. But uh, no one can remember anything about that game. He didn't do anything specifically sort of Woodgatey bad. Yeah, that's true. I, I would that be tempted true. to include Prunier just because, well, f- I don't really think I've got anyone else on my list that is just remembered solely for being shit. There's something else <laughs> about, the, 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 plenty of the players on, on my list here are terrible, but mm. the, the, that's that's the one thing he is remembered for, and I haven't really got any, anyone else here that is just thought Torn. of as, as terrible. Torn. I'm, I'm going to write Phil Babb in big red letters so we can't lose him. <laughs> so that's, and it comes down to Prunier or Boharder. And I'm going for William Prunier. Yeah. Yeah. William Prunier. Good case made, Nick. Fair play to you. So our back four, Pascal Chimbonda at right back, Eric Edmund at left back, and a centre-half partnership of Phil Babb and William Prunier. That is a clean sheet waiting to happen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Our midfield trio, James, what, who have you got in mind? Let's start with, uh, I mean, I've got a good winger, but he's going to have to play in the front three, I guess. So I'm at least going to have to suggest him. So we'll have to come back to him. Yep. Let's, let's start with David Dunn. And his pathetic Rabona. Because he's because he appeared in the the credits to what Soccer AM is it? Yeah, it was a Soccer AM thing, wasn't right. it? I think they showed it more or less every week. It was in there. Was it Taxi? I think the thing that the, the kind of montage of yeah. Like, and I feel like that artificially blunders. boosts its its prominence. Maybe, but I mean, it did happen. And, yeah, I mean, and what else? Did. And what else? What else do you remember David Dunn for? Um, briefly populating the problematic left-hand side for England. I mean, you can say that for most players in the Premier League <laughs> yeah. in that era. <laughs> yes, that's also true. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, he's well thought of in Blackburn circles, isn't he, Nick? I'm sure he is. I'm not saying he's a, a bad player or a bad bloke, but people will only remember that one thing. <laughs> yeah, he is. Don't blame me. It's the people. No, the, Don't, it's not my fault. No, no, the case has been made. Um, uh, Nick, who, who have you got in mind for your midfield? Uh, right, well, I've got um, Danny, the former uh, West Ham oh, nice. midfielder, purely for Harry Redknapp's quote about him, um, which uh, for anyone that doesn't remember, Danny was a kind of, he, he looked like a sort of Calvin Klein model. And uh, he was that sort of that sort of good looking where it was sort of acceptable for straight blokes in football to say, yeah, he's, he's a good looking bloke, isn't he? Mm. So Harry Redknapp said, he's so good looking, I don't know whether to pick him or fuck him, which doesn't make, really make any sense. But that's the, it, it, that sort of qualifies as one of the uh, as, as a sort of the yeah, one thing. Yeah, could do thing. both. 
he could have done both he could have done both but I think that qualifies as a player I remember for literally only one thing bad man management Um, (laughs) uh, James James any any competition for the midfield places yeah another another player who I guess uh, was kind of amplified by that kind of like late 90s sort of soccer AM culture uh, for a celebration-ish rather than a a goal or a bit of skill Mm. Tamori Katsbaya yes and his angry celebration against I think it was against Bolton yeah a lot of people suggested him Grundy said if I said Tamori Katsbaya to anyone and they didn't immediately think of him kicking the shit out of the hoardings then they are lying very good player but I I genuinely can't remember anything else he did so a lot of people pointed out that he scored a very well worked free kick for Wolves but that was in Division (laughs) 1 so that doesn't count so Katsbaya I think is a shoe-in for this. Nick, I also offer you Seth Johnson. Yeah. Um, I mean, the story may well be embellished over time, but it's a very good story, and I still think you could be remembered for it. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's just that classic, I don't really care if this is true or not, it, it, it illustrates a point about uh, Leeds United at that time. So, mm. And just and just, it- just for anyone that doesn't somehow know this story, the story was that he went into contract negotiations with Leeds and you know before the agent said... He said they agreed an action plan, and they said we want to ask for twenty grand a week. And the first thing that Peter Ridsdale said when they got in was, "Right, forty grand and not a penny more." I'm enamoured by the story so much, and and I do feel it's not doing him an injustice. In fact, it's not even his fault. So I'm quite I'm quite happy to to include him on that basis. So Seth Johnson's very much a contender. I quite like this one. I don't think I'm going to include him. Thrifty Gorilla, James, says Mauricio Solis, signed as one of the two Costa Rican internationals by Jim Smith at Derby, never really got a game, known only by fans for being there to help Big Paolo set into the East Midlands. Not sure he was even needed at West Ham or City. Intrigued as I am at Co- yeah. by players who are signed just to keep someone company. Yeah, Still, exactly, I think he's yeah. remembered for it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I had literally no idea who he was when he said his name. I think Southampton had a guy, a second Latvian to uh, oh, sort yeah. of live with Marion Bahaz. I want to say it's Imants Bledilis. Bl- yeah, Bledilis. Sorry to yeah. Bristol City legend Astaviev's. Uh, but no, yeah, Bledilis is correct. Actually, we should do a uh, we should do a player signed um, <laughs> suspiciously conveniently eleven. That's one for very very soon. Um, okay. Uh, I like this one, though. Uh, this debate, at least, I'm not happy with the suggestion. Mr. Keb says, Rory Delap and long throws, Nick. I still say that's a bit Rory Delap when I see a very long throw, and, it's, and it makes me feel very old to think his son plays for City. I'm not happy with this, mainly because the long throws became such an enduring thing and such an effective thing that I don't I can't I don't know maybe he does tick the box but he also scored an incredibly ridiculously good goal for Southampton as well with that bicycle kit I don't know he felt like he transcends this don't you <sighs> yeah a little bit I mean there's there's possibly I don't know whether there is like an appearance limit on this team as well because he must have played you know three four hundred games in the Premier League and you know I don't know if if that sort of overrides oh, actually, it no, yeah, no I think that's a good that's a good that criteria to introduce sense, yeah. yeah yeah someone who was someone who was really durable yeah had a lot of games but and he was but it was it wasn't just that it was a long throw. It was the thing, you know. The, 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 of course, the uh, the trajectory of the flow, throw that was that was what uh, you know made him notable. So I don't know. I think he would fall foul of the you know, maximum appearances limit if we're gonna if we're gonna put a cap on him. He's almost too famous for this for that for that thing. Like it was like it was just like the biggest like theme of the Premier League in that season. He's one of the most famous people in the country for six or seven months just for the basis of that one thing. But and also I just think I just think it's just too too big. It, it, it More also, news from producer Dave. Sorry I, I just to interject. Um uh, he points out that Roy Delap actually has a throw in section on his Wikipedia page <laughs> and it's really long. 
but also uh, I seem to remember because of course he played for Derby for it was Southampton before Stoke and I at Derby and Southampton I don't remember the throw-in being a thing yes. it seemed to be like he got, went down to the championship with Stoke and then emerged from it back and then suddenly he had this kind of absolutely deadly long throw that I, I don't recall he had to take like a really quick throw in the 93rd minute when they were chasing a winner and he said oh my god <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could do this it's funny you should mention that because I, I vividly remember seeing Jamie Redknapp when he was doing like uh, like his early punditry and that would have been in that season that Delap was doing that for Stoke and, it, and him saying that he played for Southampton with Delap under Harry Redknapp and they didn't know it was a thing right? Uh, so they didn't ever exploit it but in the interview that our athletic colleague Dan Sheldon did with Clive Woodward recently it's an incredible piece you check it out if you've not read it mm. Clive Woodward who was obviously at Southampton as well I and mean, you wanted to get into all of that nonsense but he talks at quite great length about how like he had spotted that this guy could take a long throw and he wanted all the other players to be able to take a long throw like Rory Delap. So the rugby manager had noticed that this thing could be used and Harry Redknapp seemingly was just completely oblivious and, until like three years later when he rocked up at Stoke. There's so much more depth to this, isn't there? That, that feels like one of those classic things. Like, I, I don't know, this is, I mean, this is very much in the wheelhouse of this particular podcast, but I don't know if you read mm. Des Lynham's autobiography, right? No, Everything, no. <laughs> right. Des Lynham, in Des Lynham's autobiography, it's not quite, I had the last laugh, but everything <laughs> was his idea. Like, you know, <laughs> e- e- choosing Pavarotti for Italian 90. Yeah. Reading out if uh, was that and ni- was that ninety eight long throw and long throw but no Clive Woodward saying oh yeah I saw that before anyone else that feels like uh, yeah, that sort of thing very possible this is like very this possibly. is like deadly Doug Ellis claiming he invented the bicycle kick <laughs> um, yeah um, but okay let's let's rule on this because I mean as reluctant as I was to include players who did one thing repeatedly and well and became overwhelmingly known for it. I do feel like it's in the spirit of the team to have him. So I'm typing the name Rory Delap into my midfield. So our midfield so far is Temuri Katsbaya, Rory Delap. And I feel now, just to balance these things out, James, we need a midfielder overwhelmingly known for one wonder goal. So I give you Mario Stanic and Lillian Nallis, who, as Tom Woodhead says, as far as I'm aware, scored an absolute screamer versus Leeds and then never played football again. Those are both good. Wasn't Stanic the first game of the season? And I think the the Nalis one was not going to be the third or fourth game of the season. Mm. And I think it being early in the season for some reason makes it feel like... Like, like almost more of a freak. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, agreed. And also, rather than like having had a whole good season and then doing it in like March, yeah, doing it early and then just basically sacking it off for the rest of the season is much better. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate all of that logic. We should also point out that Stanley scored two wonder goals on his debut against West Ham, um, if I remember rightly. So, so it doesn't count. Doesn't count. So tight to IB principle though, people will only remember one. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Let's let's take a vote. Nick Stanich or Nallis. Uh, Nallis. James? Stanich for me, I think. Lillian Nallis. And it comes down to which goal can I picture in my head more? And it's Lillian Nallis's. And, you know, Stanich was, I mean, I know this shouldn't count, but I know he, he was just, he was just more of a, he had more of a reputation across Europe. Yeah, that's probably true. I feel that's like probably. this should be, I mean, it's, it's not important, but it can be the tiebreaker. Mm. So Lillian Nallis, Tamuri Ketsbaya and Rory Delap. The other name, Hurrah. the other name that I had written down was a bit, probably a bit too meta for this podcast, which is uh, Renato Sanchez. Yeah, the Joel Joel Golby throwing his uh, mm. throwing his phone into the bin at this stage. Um, I want to keep the door open for him, though. As we said last week, I want to keep the door open for him to expand on that legacy. Yeah, and not just be known for that. 
Um, so if we do this again in two years' time, which I'm not ruling out, <laughs> then uh, Renato Sanchez may well be in the case. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But let's get to the exciting end, the business end of a themed 11, and that's the Strikers, our three-pronged strike force. A very obvious name, which we will leave to the end. I uh, can't imagine that was it. But let's let's start with a slightly less obvious name, but still incredibly um, obvious candidate, James Marco Boogers. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Hey, uh, is that the other end of the spectrum from the, uh, from the guy I was going to mention? Uh, yeah, I mean, Boogers, again, another, um, another Harry Redknapp master strike, right? Uh, you know, uh, so so what what is his thing that he lived? Did he live in a caravan? Is that true, or is that a horrible sort of offensive rumor? I mean, I, now, now I've said it on a podcast. I'm sorry. I know worried. it feels cliche to even be discussing whether him living in a caravan was true or not. <laughs> I think it adds it adds a sort of different category to the team that things you remember someone for that actually didn't happen. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still yeah. very, very, very much part of the criteria. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if he was even was a striker. I think he may well have been signed for a cool million and uh, and then sent off on his debut for scything down Gary Neville, a genuinely shocking challenge. So, yeah, bad tackles get you right in the equation for this. Nick, here's a few more names. Paitim Kasami, says Ian Woodcock. In my mind, he turned up, played that game at Palace, scored one of the best goals ever and left. Wikipedia states otherwise. Was he was he a striker? Was he not a midfielder? I don't want to kind of nitpick here, but he then went on to play for Forest in, in a kind of uh, one of the seasons where Forest signed about 18 players and none of them were ever heard from again. So in my head, he doesn't qualify, but I'm aware that uh, a, a kind of a brief cameo for Nottingham Forest in the Championship doesn't necessarily bleed into the wider consciousness. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm prepared to accept Kasami. On, an, on a sort of similar, similar vein, one of the names I've got down here, uh, is Andrea Salenzi, of course. Uh, do you know what? Do you know what? When I invited you on this podcast, <laughs> I thought, I wonder how long it will be till he mentions Andrea Salenzi. Yeah. And the, the answer is 43 minutes and 17 <laughs> seconds, um, which is disappointing. But I suppose that's the way that the team is structured. So you really didn't get much of a chance. Um, yeah, no. But what, what's he remembered for? Well, for, well uh, uh, maybe. Oh, you see? Yeah, may, well, maybe. He's remembered for... Being the first Italian in the Premier League. And also being terrible. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I think he's broadly remembered as being the first Italian in the Premier League, uh, and mm. the fact that is the fact that he was terrible means that that is the only thing that he's remembered for that he did nothing else. So I mean that was that was in the days where like a bit like a kind of exotic signing from another country coming in and being rubbish would have been more of a novelty. Like you kind of get that so often yeah. now, mm. you know, especially at clubs kind of outside the top yeah. side. Well, it was definitely so he was kind of a bit of a you know it, it was still it was a bit of a trendsetter. It's still, in that still in the era that a player that there a, a, a particular group of countries, Italy and Brazil being the obvious ones, meant that you were good. You, yeah. you were automatically a quality player, and I, I think he he played a couple of times for Italy. So that 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 
Um, they sort of accelerated it even more. Wow, he's, he's played for Italy. They're good, aren't they? This guy must be amazing. This is all solid stuff, foundation stuff for Salinzi, but I need a moment from him, and there isn't one. There isn't one, is there? Mm. Um, mm. Just to return to Boogers for a second, uh, producer Dave, the secret hero of this episode, says, Caravan is confirmed bullshit. It came from a misheard conversation and ended up on Club Call. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, sorry to sorry to dwell on the '90s so often, but club call really, really, that's just fantastic. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe Booga's sliding out of contention. Kasami not doesn't really float my boat. Silenzi. Can, I, can I chuck another name in? Let me chuck another name in. I think this is going to be controversial, right? I, I know I've done a bit of visualization on this podcast before, so I want you both to kind of close your eyes, and I'm going to say the name of a player, and I want you to think of the first Premier League goal that, that player scored that comes into your head, mm-hmm. and I guarantee I can tell you which goal it is. And it'll be the only Premier League goal you'll think of that from this player. Okay, mm-hmm. ready? Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. What the free kick against Portsmouth? Yes, correct, <laughs> correct, <laughs> Nick. Right? I it, genuinely it, can't think of any other goal he scored in the Premier it's League. The only goal, it's the, the only goal. Head. It's the only thing you'll ever see of him. And I've seen it. I thought of this last night, and then it was tweeted this morning by Sky Sports Premier League as among the best <laughs> Premier League goals ever seen. It's the only thing you ever see. Imagine from him if we put United him in the team. Wait, Imagine. Chuck him in. It's all he did. Wait, weirdly, I, I um, wind up merchants. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I think of that goal, I think of the, the, the camera then cut into David James, who did a sort of, well, what do you expect me to do about that face? <laughs> Which, and, and, and uh, this is, I mean, this would this, uh, this is a piece that would be too niche even for the Athletic, I think. But I, I've always wanted to find out who, which defender has got, was shouting at David James, well, why don't you save that? <laughs> um, I'm sure he's gettable. Surely someone's got his number. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, adventurous shout. I'll give you it, but yeah, we're not going that far. Can you imagine the uh, the replies, the ratio? Some some slightly bland names to go through next. Bafatimbi Gomis for his lion goal celebration. Nah, not enough. Sorry, John F. Ketamine. Um, <laughs> Johnny Meeson James says James Vaughan, the youngest goal scorer in Premier League history. I believe that is still the case. But he also did. He yeah. also had that um, horrendous looking uh, injury where he severed an artery in his foot. And there was a picture of blood oh, dripping oh, yeah, off his that boot. Was, so that's two yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Also, I mean, the, the youngest Premier League goal scorer, until you said that, I thought was James Milner. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, yeah I, Who's the no. third name in this equation? James Vaughan, James Milner, and... Wasn't it Rooney for like two oh, weeks yeah, before maybe. Milner? Yeah, I suppose it is, isn't it? Yeah. Don't su- don't start suggesting Rooney as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're a loose cannon. We can't cannon. get into what he's remembered for. <laughs> yes, it is. Some further names for you. I'm getting into the real... Territory, I think that we should be Nick. Um, Angus Byrne says Iago the corner Aspas. Yeah, ah, and uh, and also another classic of the um, was comically bad in the Premier League and then has gone on to be actually yeah. actually he's quite good. Says yeah, says, I know. says man who sullies it a bit. Says it? man who watches yeah. more Spanish football than you. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to get lots of replies from people who whose Twitter image is them sort of silhouetted against a La Liga stadium background, <laughs> saying, "Well, actually, he's done very well for uh, Celta de Vigo." Yeah, he's not. It's not exciting enough, really. Um, Sam says Stanford Bridge's Dong Fang Zhu only ever gets mentioned near the end of every season when the Guard of Honor debate comes up again. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. But then, of course, there's a the story about him being signed as well and and not settling. So again, yeah, not not massively keen on that. But okay. I'm going to stop firing names at you and we'll actually discuss a few. Nick, don't visit Seattle, says Facundo Sava yep. of Fulham he's, and that mask shoved down his sock. He's he, he, That's it. He's a box ticket yeah, here, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, he was one of the first names I wrote down on, on this. Mm. Yeah, my, my forward line is Salenzi, Facundo Sava 
and uh, I'm losing confidence in this already, but Michu. Oh, oh for the yeah, for no, the, you're too good. Yeah, too good. well, good extended run of form. I know. I well, yes. Go All on. you know is 2.5 million yeah. pounds, right? <laughs> which then became obviously a measurement of other transfers. You can buy X number yeah, of meat shoes. Yeah, and he had the currency thing. The currency um, thing. What was the currency no, thing? No, he, his name was, as oh, you literally sorry. have just sorry. said, synonymous with the uh, valuation of footballers. So yeah. So that leads me to two more names, which I feel are in contention with um, Facundo Sava for our forward line. This was the second most nominated name, James. Do you know who this may have been? The second most nominated name in the Twitter replies for this episode? Federico Makeda. Yes, it's Federico Kiko Makeda. Great turn by Makeda! Astonishing! So Should I be worried that I've come up with all these obvious answers? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine to be obvious for this one, I think. Um, yeah, we really are slumming it intellectually, but that's fine. Federico Kiko Makeda, are you happy with that? Yeah. It's bang on, isn't it? Yeah. Great goal. Did did, did nothing okay. else. He, he scored a second goal, didn't he? He did score a second goal. And that, again, it's the same thing Literally no one remembers, do they? Producer Dave is saying, Adebayor. Emmanuel Adebayor. Oh, yeah, that is good. Oh, that come is good. On. No. But the main thing, the, the first thing you'll think of, but and like the only thing you'll think of for ages with Adebayor is that celebration. But what right? comes second? Goal. Goal he's got against absurdly good goal against Spurs. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. He's um, uh, he's and just he was he was sought after centre forward, not having it, no. not having it. Look at it. Look at producer Dave deleting it from the running order. <laughs> um, yeah, tail between legs. Anyway. Federico Makeda is up front. We potentially have Facundo Sava alongside him. But we, we cannot complete this episode without discussing what is the most, Nick, footy-shocking moments, man and story imaginable. Before we talk about it, I want to play you. This, this, this was the clip on YouTube, pretty much the only defining clip of Ali Dyer on YouTube for quite a long time. And just to set the scene, this is someone filming it off their TV. It's Sky 3, a channel I never knew existed. And it's it's called something like Football Years, which is a program that never should have existed. And um, I, it's just, I've, I've, I've based a little montage of all the people, all the talking heads that were brought in to talk about Ali Dyer. And I just want you to mentally tick them off as you hear them. <laughs> I kept getting phone calls from a guy at the training ground anyway, Georgie Weir. Georgie Weir was World Football of the Year. Hey, hello, Harry. How, how are you? Lovely, George. What, do you want to play for West Ham? No, no, I have a player for you. All right, don't tell anyone else. You've not found Ferguson or anyone, have you? Right. And you think, I've got a clue. Southampton thought they had the new George Weir and unleashed him against Leeds. Bit of drama about it. It's a new signing, an air of mystery, you know. He was absolutely crap and had to be re-substituted. Dyer by name and dyer by nature. That is the greatest flag in football of all time. <laughs> Bob, Bob Mills and Paul Tomkinson is so talking heads. And here's the guy who was the host of David Brent's blind date at the nightclub in the office. <laughs> uh, just, just to round it all off. The thing about Ali Dyer, and I, we need to approach this from a reasonably postmodern perspective, I feel. I want to pat football content collectively on the back for squeezing every last drop of juice from the Ali Dyer story. It's quite an achievement, really, given how there isn't actually that much to play with. Yeah, I mean, how, how long was he on the pitch? Sort of 37 minutes or something stupid like that. Oh, maybe a bit longer, because I think it was an injury to Letizia, wasn't it? He came on. 
And yeah, but yeah, he was at the top of the just telling us what happened. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just came on the lead. Oh, my... it was terrible. Letizia, was wasn't it? Letizia. Um, I think they sell even Spurs. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, for, for, for him to have been there for sort of four days, and I think the, the payoff is that he kind of did a bunk and left the club and ended up at... Is it Gateshead? Yeah, Gateshead. So he's basically done a runner to the other end of the country mm. in the hope of not being caught. <laughs> Presumably that wasn't actually why he did it. But uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, we've done very well collectively as a as a football media to to milk that Absolutely one dry. Nick, I don't think anyone ever comes out of telling the story well. I mean, Matt Letitia seems to get asked about this on a sort of annual basis and and his his appetite for telling it just gets less and less over time. Uh, look, if, and if 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 you if you ask him about Ali Day, at least he's not talking about something else. So you know, <laughs> people keep asking him about Ali Dyer. That's that's fine with me. Yeah. But, so in summary, there's nothing more to say about Ali Dyer. So he's obviously in the team alongside Facundo Sava and Federico Makeda. This is kind of an underwhelming forward line. Chuck Ronaldo. <laughs> no. No, no, because no, Ad- no, I'm not having it. Ad- Adam's gonna Good. Adam's gonna put this team on Twitter later, and his you know people, James, will take it out of context. So no, no, I'm happy. I'm happy with that forward line. It's got a bit of everything. It's got a guy who was you know comically, infamously shit. We've got a guy who had a little quirk but didn't do anything else, and um, a guy who scored a goal essentially on his debut, but then, and then didn't go on after that. So he peaked so early. So we really have got the full tapestry. Let's run through this team. Before I ask you either the final question, the final piece of this jigsaw, in goal, Peter Enkelman. A back four of Pascal Chimbonda, Eric Edmund, Phil Babb and William Prunier. A midfield three of Tamuri Ketsbaya, Rory Delap, shame, Lillian Nallis. Up front, Ali Dyer, Facundo Sava and Federico Makeda. But, James, Nick, who manages this lot? Uh, I'd say it's got to be Paul Jewell, isn't oh, it? Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Paul Jewell, oh, who kept Bradford kept up in... Wigan up. Bradford and Wigan, famously, yeah. yeah, great escapes for both. So that would be the one thing. Again, Google it if you don't believe me, but that's the one thing that he'd be Yeah, right, for. just after you've Googled seven, Stephen Postma, Google... Yeah, close that yeah. tab and open yeah. up another one. Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. stop it. <laughs> Google image search if necessary. <laughs> Once was enough. Once was enough. Um, no, I'm not happy with Paul Jewell. I'm not happy mm. with Paul Jewell. Good body of work um, in... <laughs> <laughs> Works on a couple of levels, that... Yeah. For God's sake, pathetic, Nick. <laughs> give me some names. I've only got one in my brain. Well, I, I'd be you quite know, a one-trick pony manager. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, well, a couple: uh, Christian Gross and Felix Magat are the two that I had in mind. Is this is Felix train Magat tickets and cheese? cheese. Train ticket, train tickets and cheese. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See. Train ticket beats cheese in my book because there was visual evidence. I mean, we had to take Breda Hangeland's word for the cheese, didn't we? I think it's been kind of quite widely corroborated, the, the, the cheese story. And he's, you know, known as, while a good manager in, in Germany, sort of a noted lunatic as well. So it's just, I think I think we can be fairly confident in the cheese story. But yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would go train ticket over the cheese. Yeah, it's got to be train ticket, Christian Gross, hasn't it? Actually, actually, let's get this right, James. It was a travel card, wasn't it? That is true, yeah. yeah. I assume it must have one to four, I guess, probably. Yeah, but it, it's, a, it's a very off-sighted opening press conference, um, probably beaten only by Jose Mourinho, who you definitely can't have and, before you start getting any ideas yeah. about um, famous Portuguese. So are we, we're happy with Christian Gross is, is the summary of that, aren't we? Yeah, Little nods from both works. of you, delighted. Christian Gross, what a job you have of teasing one more memorable moment after <laughs> this rabble. Well, actually, actually, now we look at it, now you look at this team, Enkelman in goal, 
fairly functional fullbacks, Phil Babb, William Prunier, a solid looking midfield, athletic, Ketsbaya, Dilap, Nalis, Dyer up front doing his thing, Facundo Sava just waiting for his moment, Makeda. Um, how well, where do you think this would finish in, a, in an average <laughs> Premier League table, James? Uh, getting relegated, right? Yeah, I mean, they are going to get relegated, yeah. yeah. Sorry, there's no, there's no better way of putting that really, <laughs> yeah. is there? This, I don't think. This, this feels like a sort of record low points total, Nick. Sort of it is it's incredibly Derby County 2007-2008, isn't it? And without wanting to go back to Paul Drew again, <laughs> it really does have a, that kind of shambolic vibe of the team which has been completely thrown together over the course of half a season. Yeah. I also th- it looks a very sort of Portsmouth late 2000s, Nick, as well. You know, because there isn't there's a there's a slightly exotic aspect to it all. You know, these these players are from all over the place. Yeah, it, it, it does. It has the vibe of you know how um, when a team does something weird like. Well, all those kind of Portsmouth signings and the Derby signings, the, the, yeah. the, if depending on how they do, their their method of bringing those together will be either be the reason that they succeeded or the reason that they they failed. They'll mm. you know the pieces written afterwards will all, will all say kind of well, of course, this esoteric you know recruitment strategy, bringing players in from all different kind of strange places, that's why they qualified for the UEFA Cup, uh, yeah, and then if enough. they get relegated, you say, yep, that's why they went down. I can't believe you've you've, you've well actuallyed Portsmouth, um, but you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we should we should have thought about a team who were only known for one thing, but that is that is clearly Derby 0708, isn't mm. it? Um, fantastic stuff. There, there were more layers to that. After all, this wasn't just a throwaway concept that I thought would be a bit cheap. It was brilliant stuff. Really good um, existential chat from from us all. Cheers to you, Nick. You won't just be remembered for one thing now. Well, obviously not. We'll we'll, we'll be remembered for an inexplicable spike in the googling of Stefan Posmer. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. Glad you mentioned that again. Um, James, your legacy very much sealed now. Congratulations. Is it? What, you mean this podcast? Yes, exactly. Okay, brilliant. Um, fantastic, thank um, you. Shame on you for, for suggesting Cristiano Ronaldo, but, but in, in a uh, weird way, what an incredible shout that was. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed the Premier League players we remember for precisely one thing, 11. That was great fun. See you next week. I'm Ellis James. I'm Mike Bubbins. And I'm Steph Guerrero. I would kill off with any footballer to get a Premier yeah, League team, would you? Not a problem. Ian Dowie. We've got a comedy podcast called The Socially Distant Sports Bar. It's Liverpool versus Arsenal here at Anfield. It's the big kickoff. New player Mike Bubbins, who got off with Ian Dowie in the week. Jurgen Klopp, of course, said that he's perfectly happy to play Bubbins in a front three alongside uh, Salah Firmino. Oh, Bubbins, 48 years of age, has never played football, but he snogged Ian Dowie for two and a half to three minutes as stipulated. According to Premier League guidelines, Dowie said he's got no idea how good Bubbins is. Word on the street is that he's not great, he's morbidly obese. It's about sport, but not really. He's not fit and he doesn't know where to stand. His face touch is woeful, and I mean woeful. But he got off with the entire last. Those are the rules, son. It's a new, new guy that I don't agree with it. Gary don't agree with it. None of the explanations. I'm gonna die. Download it from wherever you get your podcasts. The Athletic. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.